0: Annihilation 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 One minute at a time (laughs) Let it come, let it come, the season we can love I have waited so long that at length I forget And leave unto heaven my fear and regret A sick thirst darkens my veins Let it come, let it come, the season we can love so the green field to oblivion falls, overgrown, flowering with incense and weeds, and the cruel noise of dirty flies. Let it come, let it come, the season we can love. Arthur Rimbaud, A Song from the Highest Tower, Part 2. In her foreword to Arkady Strugatsky's Roadside Picnic, Ursula K. Le Guin explains, regarding ordinary characters in science fiction, quote, This use of ordinary people as the principal characters was fairly rare in science fiction when the book came out and even now the genre slips easily into elitism. Super-brilliant minds, extraordinary talents, officers, not crew, the corridors of power, not the working-class kitchen. Those who want the genre to remain specialized, hard, tend to prefer the elitist style. Those who see science fiction simply as a way of writing novels welcome the more Tolstoyan approach, in which a war is described not only from the general's point of view, but also through the eyes of housewives, prisoners, and boys of sixteen. Or an alien visitation is described not only by knowledgeable scientists, but also by its effects on commonplace people. End quote. Roadside Picnic, by the way, was the inspiration for the film Stalker, and both were certainly inspirations for Jeff Vandermeer's Southern Reach trilogy. In 1962, J.G. Ballard, whose influence on both Vandermeer's novel and more explicitly on Garland's adapted screenplay, wrote a polemic essay about what he wanted to see from science fiction going forward. In her introduction to J.G. Ballard Contemporary Critical Perspectives, Jeanette Baxter calls it, quote, "...controversial and provocative manifesto in which Ballard set out to remap the trajectories of post-war British science fiction's generic constraints and hackneyed subject matter of, quoting Ballard here, interstellar travel, extraterrestrial life forms, galactic wars, and physical scientific facts." End quote. She goes on to explain, quote, this polemic called for a highly innovative form of science fiction writing which would no longer look to the skies, but keep a critical and creative eye on the alien landscapes of the contemporary period, furthermore, turning its back on the rocket ships and ray guns. End quote. In his essay, called Which Way to Inner Space, Ballard effectively, but not specifically, decries hero-based space fiction as something like a Western defined too much by common tropes to be able to expand away from them. He complains, for example, quote, Devices such as time travel and telepathy save the writer the trouble of describing the interrelationships of time and space indirectly, and by a curious paradox, they prevent him from using his imagination at all, giving him very little true freedom of movement within the narrow limits set by the device. End quote. I bring this up now because much of what is contained in this episode was filmed, but did not survive to the big screen and for good reason it paints a very different lena than the contemplative even depressive heroine we have been following so far it paints her perhaps as too quote-unquote heroic this minute begins still in the room at area x where lena is being questioned by dr ventris lena wants to know what is wrong with her husband additionally One last time, we get the mismatched eyelines of a scene that seemingly quite deliberately broke the 180-degree rule and involved several more camera setups than necessary to disrupt our own comfort in the moment. Ventress is framed just right of center, turned to the right, examining her fingernails visually detached from the conversation. Lena is then framed just left of center, turned to the left. For the audience, subconsciously, these characters have been pushed away from one another, rather than making connections. The scene ends with Lena saying a line that is not in the script. Lena, I can actually help me. Then the film cuts to a different part of the facility, second floor scientific equipment manned by a few anonymous scientists in white coats. Everything turned towards something in the distance, blurry and bright. We will return to this later. The script offers something much different. Dr. Ventress, I can't talk about that. You understand? Lena, clearly I don't. Dr. Ventress, you understand that I'm not going to talk about it. The doctor stands. The door unbolts in anticipation of her exit. As it swings open, it reveals a spec-op soldier standing guard in the corridor outside. Dr. Ventress, continued. I'll be back later. Lena, you still haven't told me anything about what's going on, or what I'm doing here. Dr. Ventress has reached the door. Dr. Ventress, we'll speak again. Lena stands. Lena, at least let me change out of these clothes. Dr. Ventress pauses. Lena holds up her hands. Lena, continued covered in my husband's blood, cut to, interior, southern reach facility, slash, shower. Lena, under a shower stream, washing the blood from her body, from her hair, fingernails. Reveal a shower space, another windowless room. Tiled walls and floors, a military field, or prison. Rows of unpartitioned shower heads. An orange jumpsuit is folded on a changing bench. A pair of white sneakers are beneath it. At the door of the shower room, an armed spec-op soldier stands guard. His back is to the room, to protect Lena's modesty. Interior, Southern Reach Facility slash Corridor. Lena walks down a corridor back towards the interviewer, wearing the jumpsuit and sneakers. The Spec-Op soldier walks slightly behind. Lena glances back at him, sees something. On his belt, a clip containing two of the one-hit syringe vials that were used to sedate her. Lena, do you know my husband? Sergeant Kane? The Spec-Op soldier doesn't react. Lena continued, just wondering if you've served together. You are the 427th, right? The Spec Ops Soldier stops by the door to the interview room. Spec Ops Soldier, just here, please, ma'am. Interior, Southern Range Facility, slash, interview room. Lena stops in the doorframe. Lena, I just want to know what's happened to him. Spec Ops Soldier, enter the room, ma'am. But rather than take a step back, she takes a step forward, toward the soldier. Her eyes brim. Lena, please. Spec Ops Soldier, ma'am. A tear spills. Her hand touches the soldier's chest, and the way she touched Kane's chest. Lena, if you know anything at all, can't you just... It's a ploy. There is a sudden, fluid motion. With her other hand, Lena has unclipped one of the tranquilizers. In a flash, it's up and jammed into the soldier's neck. Spec off soldier. Ah, bitch, you! His hand claws at the vial, knocks it out. All too late, he exhales, folds, falling forwards into the room. As he hits the concrete, cut to, interior, southern reach facility slash corridor. Lena, bolting the interview room door closed. She looks left right interior southern reach facility slash corridor lena walk runs through the facility silent on the linoleum floor in her white sneakers interior southern reach facility slash elevator lobby lena enters an elevator lobby she goes straight to the control panel and hits the call button nothing happens beside the panel is a glass plate with the outline of a hand the elevator requires a palm print biometric pass lena shit at that moment startling lena the elevator chimes The car has just arrived on this floor. As the door starts to open, cut to Interior Southern Reach Facility Slash Elevator. Inside the elevator, where Dr. Ventress is arguing with the Spec Ops Captain. Dr. Ventress. While the facility remains under my command, the way I structure the team is my business, Captain. They exit the elevator into the lobby. Interior Southern Reach Facility Slash Elevator Lobby. Without noticing Lena, press the wall, just out of their line of sight. Spec Ops Captain. In 48 hours, it won't be under your. It'll be under Pentagon control, where it should be. Dr. Ventress. So take it up with Washington. By the time you found anyone with the authority to stop me, we'll be gone. As they walk away, Lena slips inside the elevator, just as the door starts closing. Interior. Southern Reach Facility. Slash. Elevator. Inside the elevator, Lena hurriedly scans the different floor options. It's Lena's first geographical indication of where she is. There are four levels in the building. One below ground, and three above. B is security. Star is lobby. One is research. Two is living. By the digital readout, she is on B. Lena. Southern reach? What the hell? Lena hesitates over the panel for a moment, then hits the lobby button. Nothing happens. She hits it again. Nothing. Sees, beside the control panel, another biometric reader. Lena continued. Oh, shit. She touches the biometric pad. An air code sounds. Lena continued. Come on, please. No, no, no. A terrible sense that she has managed to escape from a small, locked room into an even smaller one. Then, suddenly, the elevator starts moving. On the digital panel, the numbers start moving upwards, past the lobby, to level one, where it stops. The door opens, revealing a man in a white lab coat, a scientist of some sort. His head is dropped, reading through a sheaf of forms which he is filling out. Lena stands, back straight against the wall, terrified to meet his gaze. But he hardly seems to notice her, just touches the biometric pad and presses the button for level two. The doors close. The elevator starts moving again. Then, still without raising his head, the scientist speaks. A scientist, man the bureaucracy of this place. Lena knows a response is needed, doesn't want to give the man an excuse to look up. Lena, tell me about it. A scientist, need to fill out an application just to have a nervous breakdown. This feels like it can be met with sentence. Then a beat later, the doors chime, and open, revealing a large room thronged with people and a buzz of conversation. A scientist continued, after you... Lena has no choice but to walk out. Interior, Southern Reach facility slash mess hall, day. Lena has entered into the mess hall of the facility, and it is packed with soldiers, scientists, and administrative staff. They sit at tables, chatting, carry trays with food and drinks. On the far side of the room, there is a floor-to-ceiling glass wall, through which, for the first time in the facility, you see daylight. Bright, burnished gold. In the middle of the wall is an open double door leading to the outside. She realizes at once she has to make it across the room to that door. To the exterior, the sunlight is the only exit apart from the elevator from which she has just come. But among the uniforms and lab coats and suits, there is only one person wearing an orange jumpsuit. Lena. She takes a breath and simply starts walking. Not hurried, not slow, not drawing attention to herself. And for a moment it seems as if it might work. The people around simply don't notice her. Then, someone looks at her. A woman sat at a table. She frowns, taps the arm of the person beside her. Lena starts walking quicker. Woman, hey! Lena ignores her, walks faster for the door at sunlight. Woman, continued, hey! Lena breaks into a run. One of the soldiers ahead turns, sees, tries to block her path. Lena jumps onto one of the long refectory tables, runs down the lengths, scattering food and drinks. Someone tries to catch her leg. She jumps over them, is nearly at the double doors. Two scientists try to block her, and she has no choice but to go straight through them, knocking them flying, and then... She is through the doors and out. Exterior, Southern Reach Facility slash Viewing Platform, day. Lena makes only five or six steps into the sunlight, then slows and stops. Arrested by the view in front of her, reveal that Lena is standing on a viewing platform, essentially a massive balcony which projects from the mess hall, three stories above the ground. And the facility from which she has escaped turns out to be a kind of gatehouse structure, like a medieval castle dragged into a brutalist 21st century either side of the facility a concrete wall extends, massive, buttressed, punctuated with watchtowers. It looks designed to contain or defend against something mythic in scale. This would be a stunning sight in its own right, but it's the view from the platform that stopped Lena in her tracks. It shows a landscape, behind which the sun sets, a stretch of bare ground for a few hundred yards beyond the concrete wall, leading to a dense forest. And in front of, or permeating, the forest, there is a shimmer. Similar to a heat haze, it gives a glassy liquid quality to everything seen through its prism. But unlike a heat haze, and like a prism, it splits light. So through the shimmer, the sun distorts into a deliquescing orange orb, fringed with chromatic aberrations of blue and green. The colors on the clouds split into the full rainbow spectrum spread across the sky like psychedelic northern lights. The trees in the forest distort gently as if pushed by a gentle wind that eases the trunks into movement as if they were as light as leaves. Speck-Op soldier, off screen, Get on the ground, right now! Reveal, behind Lena, an arc of three Speck-Op soldiers all pointing their guns at the back of her head. But before the moment can unravel, Dr. Ventress appears, pushing past the soldiers, brushing down their gun barrels as if warding away a wasp. Dr. Ventress, is there really any need for that? Speck-Op soldier, sir, she... Dr. Ventress cuts in. Shut up. Step away. Give us space. The soldiers do as ordered. Throughout, Lena hasn't turned from the fovist view. The doctor steps behind her. Dr. Ventress continued. It's obvious what your husband saw in you. Impressive. To have escaped. To this point, at least. Lena talks, as if through a dream. Lena. Where am I? Dr. Ventress. Northern Florida. Thirty miles from the coast. It was the Blackwater State Park, but we now call it the Southern Reach. Lena. Why is a national park sealed behind a 50-meter-high concrete wall? Dr. Ventress. Well, quite. That is the question. Interior, Southern Reach Facility, slash Command Center. Day. The Command Center of the Southern Reach Facility. A large room with one wall given over to a Florida ceiling window which faces the landscape and the Shimmer. In the middle of the room is a large digital map. It shows the coast of northern Florida, the boundary wall of the Southern Reach Facility, and, in illuminated blue, the border of the Shimmer. On the adjacent wall, there is a collection of images. Some show a tall, white lighthouse with archive architectural plans of the building. The rest are a sequence of team photos. Small groups of men and women with backpacks and hiking gear. Some with weapons and uniforms. Lena walks to the digital map table. Dr. Ventris, standing by the window, starts to talk. Dr. Ventris: It started when a park guide reported an event to the local police. A lighthouse on the coast was surrounded by what he called a shimmer. A friend of his had entered to find out what was going on, and never returned. Beat. Dr. Ventress continued. That was 13 years ago. We evacuated the area and concocted a cover story. An accident on a cargo ship carrying nuclear waste. Then we set up a covert body to investigate the phenomenon. And $300 billion later, we know nothing more than what was contained in that first brief police report. Behind the doctor, the landscape undulates and refracts. Dr. Ventress continued. Something goes in it doesn't come back. And I'm not just talking about people. Drones, robots, animals, birds, radio waves, radar, particle streams. It's a black hole. Nothing gets out. Beat. Lena, you have no idea what it is? Dr. Ventress, we have many. An extraterrestrial event. A multidimensional event. A religious event. The ideas are endless. What we lack are facts. And this is where we must backtrack to get to the same moment in the film. First, removing this sequence was a necessary change. Lena's proficiency with the rifle later is necessary so the other women will know that information has been kept from them. But this escape attempt would serve only to paint Lena as an action hero. And this is not an action film. While Lena is a scientist, and an ex-soldier, we can almost accept her inclusion here, as the other women do, as something of a layman. In TV Tropes terms, Lena is the worm guy, named for Nico Totopoulos from 1998's Godzilla. She misses one key part of the worm guide trope because she will volunteer and has presumably only been brought to Area X to ensure that she will not tell anyone about what has or has not happened to her husband. She has not been recruited for her expertise even though Ventress will recognize her usefulness. Daniel Jackson in Stargate, Alan Grant in Jurassic Park, the crew of Deep Core in The Abyss, Harry Stamper and crew in Armageddon, Louise Banks in Arrival, and many more. People with a specific set of skills recruited into militarized missions. On TV Tropes, this is the Worm Guy. Quote, A research scientist, usually out in the field somewhere, and usually by himself or in a small, tight-knit team. He's really into whatever most frequently obscure and seemingly useless research he's doing. When all of a sudden, some big, burly military guys come out of nowhere, put a stop to the aforementioned research, and carry him off against his will for their own purposes. Where he will usually find something even more fantastic than what he was doing and somehow mildly relevant." End quote. This operation will not be fully explained in the film. There is certainly a distinct impression of military involvement and the script makes it explicit that Ventress is ex-CIA, but primarily this is a scientific base. A state secret scientific base. We have seen a photo of Lena in uniform, but we probably paid less attention to that than Lena teaching her class about cell division. Lena crying on the couch over her missing husband. Lena being drugged and taken captive. Lena is, to us, so far, a fairly average woman. Her military background will be useful versus the crocodile, and her knowledge of biology will have enough overlap with the other women that she will not be that special later. What makes her special, aside from her being the protagonist we are following, is that she has a personal investment in investigating the Shimmer. This personal investment will matter in the quote-unquote inner space of the film's larger plot, but it will also make Lena's ordinariness the more important part of her character. And with the prior sequence from the script omitted, her averageness is reinforced. Lena has not tried to escape. In the film, she simply walks into the frame in the foreground where we are looking at scientific equipment, the blurry brightness in the distance outside. Second 13, as the camera pans past a room of scientists looking into microscopes at, at samples from the edge of the shimmer, perhaps, We are told no one but Kane has come back out, but maybe they have taken plant samples without going in. As Lena walks to the right, past the glass wall of that room, a couple of the scientists look up at her. Second 21 angle on facility from outside. A series of radome-covered radio antennae, laser targeting systems, microwaves maybe, and something like a large telescope, pointed off the balcony outside the facility. Despite this facility being temporary, It must be, since the Shimmer is expanding and this is not the first base they have used to study it. The concrete involved, the fact that this facility has multiple floors at all, is interesting. Lena emerges among the various pieces of equipment, several of which seem to not be wired to anything, by the way. She walks toward the railing. Second 27, angle from behind Lena and we see the Shimmer for the first time. The description from the script is good, except everything is brighter in the film. Lena in the foreground is almost drowned out by the brightness beyond. Something like thunder rolls. camera moves forward past Lena's shoulder and lets us try to focus on what we are seeing. But the point is that we really cannot focus, cannot understand. There is something like swampland below in the foreground. There are trees at the edge of and maybe inside the shimmer. But we are looking through a cloudy prism at the sun over this swamp and nothing is very clear. Second 33, angle from ground, we can see that the facility might not be very big, though it does appear to be at least three stories in most places, and has at least a couple towers that stick out higher. Additionally, the facility seems to rest atop a dark wall that stretches out of frame to either side. Unlike in the script, Lena will not remark on this wall in the film. It is simply part of the visual. A metal frame with more radio equipment stands tall at the right edge of frame. A dead tree rises near the left edge of the facility. The sunlight through the shimmer is bright on the windows of the facility and much of the image is lost in the brightness the camera moves closer second 38 close on lena staring ventress approaches from behind her ventress looks from lena to the shimmer familiar but still fascinated and she closes her eyes briefly before looking again outward lena doesn't blink second 45 angle on lena and ventress from the left ventress does not speak but we hear her voice as we transition to another scene Dr. Ventress. Off screen. A religious event. Second forty-nine. A better look at the shimmer. The sunlight is at the top of frame so we can see some of the moving, undulating colors, like the thin film interference of light on an oil spill, but without the darkness of the oil. Dr. Ventress. Off screen. Continued. An extraterrestrial event. The waves and colors in the shimmer seem to all be rising from the ground, but without ceasing. Dr. Ventress. Off screen. Continued. A higher dimension. Second 54, cut to, interior, Ventress's office, day. Lena sits just out of frame to the left, her arm in frame, elbow on Ventress's desk, chin on hand. A computer monitor fills the right side of frame. Ventress sits behind the desk, playing with... a rock? On a bulletin board behind her, she has several papers with lists of various size and several photos, headshots too small to recognize, but one could imagine in retrospect she is grouping potential candidates to enter the shimmer. Dr. Ventress, continued. We have many Memories. theories, few facts. facts. Second 59, reverse angle clouds, and the shimmer outside the window the computer monitor barely noticeable now. Lena eyeing it. Ventress now reduced to an arm past the back of a chair at the right edge of the frame. Dr. Ventress continued. It started around, and time runs out for this minute. We spoke. What was it we said? Wordlessly watching, he waits by the window and wonders at the empty place inside. is all we are.